0: Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And with me on the podcast today is our pastor of discipleship, Pastor Rob.
1: Hey, good afternoon.
0: My pastoral assistant, Kevin. Hey, guys. And our deacon of Sacred City Youth, Alex Tate.
2: How's it going, guys?
0: Yes. And today we are jumping into the Westminster Confession of Faith, this is the segment of the podcast we call "Theology for Everyone," and the whole point of this is to help everyday people. So, housewives, working moms, electricians, who, wherever you're at, out out there—if you're working in your garage, or you're working in an office, or you're driving to school, wherever you're at—we want to help you become a better theologian. Because um, the more accurate we understand God, the more accurate we understand God's works and God's ways, um, the more. Um, appropriate our worship will be, the more, the bigger we're going to see him, the more beautiful we're going to see him, the more we're going to love him. And it's usually in the areas of our heart and mind that go kind of, they forget the gospel or they go away or they don't really understand things. Mm -hmm. Things get a little fuzzy. And when things get fuzzy, uh, uh, you know, our worship gets fuzzy. Right. So we want to have a really clear, accurate view of God. And so one of the ways that we're trying to help our church is working through a very short uh, systematic theology called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And um, we've been going chapter by chapter and article by article. We are in chapter 15, and this chapter uh, is about repentance. And the Westminster scholars called it of repentance unto life, Mm -hmm. repentance unto life, which immediately I like because... It shows you that this is something good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and many times, <laughs> for whatever reason, we think repentance is something bad, yeah. right? Oh, I've done something bad. <laughs> or, you know, if we call someone to repent, repent, that's a bad thing. Mm. Or someone calls us to repent, that's a bad thing. But the Westminster Divine said, nope, repentance unto life. So we're going to try to work through one, two, maybe three. We'll see how far we get.
3: Um, Kevin, you want to go ahead and, and uh, read Article 1 for us? Yeah. Repentance unto life is an evangelical grace. The doctrine whereof is to be preached by every minister of the gospel, as well as that of faith in Christ.
0: Okay. Right away. They're getting right af- uh, right into it, right after it. Repentance unto life is an evangelical grace. Hmm. All right. Um. The evangel is the gospel, evangelical, right? That's we, we we call ourselves, even though it's maligned in our culture and it, it it's kind of lost some of its meaning. Evangelical we really could mean like gospel centered. That's what it means. Yeah, like that's right. It, it means gospel centered, right? So right away they say repentance unto life is an evangelical grace. All right, what's the scripture we've got for that?
2: All right, I got Zechariah twelve ten. And I will pour out the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace, and pleas for mercy, so that when they look to on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as they mourn for all for any for any for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn.
0: Okay, so we see there, and then Acts eleven eighteen also it says that the Lord granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. And so we can see that this is a, a grace that's given from God,
2: Yeah,
0: right? That it changes the heart, and out of that changed heart, we confess our sins
2: mm-hmm.
0: to, to the Father together. So again, just like we studied last week with uh, faith, they said faith was a grace, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so they're really... They're one, this, they're, they're separating themselves from Catholics mm, at the time. Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: That faith is not a work we do. Repentance is not a work we do.
2: Yeah.
0: It's a grace given to us, and then we, re, we use it, right? We respond, mm. right? We exercise the gift that's been given to us. Yeah. Okay? So repentance unto life is an evangel- evangelical grace, the doctrine whereof is to be preached by every minister of the gospel, mm. as well
3: as that of faith in Christ. Uh, text for that. Luke 24, 47. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem.
0: Okay. So, a preacher is meant to preach repentance and faith, mm. Right. Turn from your sins and turn to God. But they also know that no one can actually do that. So it requires the supernatural work of the Spirit of God Mm -hmm. to actually give that grace, right? To give the grace. But this is kind of, I mean, in one sentence, this is basically what it means to preach gospel-centered, like to be... To preach repentance, right? To preach faith, not to preach works. Get up there and tell people, here's a few good tips to live a good life. Here's how to improve your marriage. Here's how to do this. But to preach the gospel in such a way that it brings about repentance and faith.
3: Yeah. Right? So what happens if the preacher doesn't preach repentance?
0: Well, it's really common today. I've heard so many preachers say, and I've heard so many people say, um, the church talks about sin too much, hmm. and we need to talk more about something else, something more positive, encouraging, uplifting. Um, and the problem with that is, I haven't met anyone who stopped sinning. Yeah. Yet. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what are we just calling a truce on our sin once we give our life to Christ? Right. It's like we, we're only going to call people to sin or call, call people sinners or call people to repentance who don't believe in Jesus. Mm. Well, you know, it's just kind of it's just kind of silly because we all still struggle with sin. We all are in a life or death battle with sin, mm-hmm. right? And our greatest problem is our sin, and our greatest need is faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ongoing, consistent. Yeah. It was Martin Luther who said, um, in one of, his, one of his articles, I can't remember which one, uh, he said, the entire life of the Christian is meant to be one of repentance. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. Not, not just the first moment. Uh, it's not just the door into Christianity. Yeah. right? It's the path that we walk.
2: So why is it that the culture always like, looks at repentance of the bad thing?
0: Huh. This is fascinating to me. This is so I, I preached on Sunday in Iowa City about guilt. Yeah, and I said, Psalm 32, um, a, ma- a, a maskal of David, he basically starts out like this Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Mm. He says, <laughs> Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. H- here's what David says Our greatest problem is sin. In this passage, he calls sin transgression, he calls it sin, he calls it iniquity, and he calls it deceit. Four different aspects, uh, synonyms almost, of, of, of what sin is, okay? He says, that's our greatest problem. And then later, and then he, and he says, and what's the answer? Verse five, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So my greatest problem is Sin. So that's why I feel guilty. Most of us have a guilty conscience. Mm -hmm. And my greatest need is repentance. And that's our, you know, grace that comes from Christ. Well, what happens in our society today is we, our culture speaks out of both sides of its mouth. One side, it says, there's no such thing as sin. All morality is relative. All truth is relative. You know, you do you, I do me. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with that is what happens when you doing you sins against me doing me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What happens when the, You know, one spouse, you know, puts his work or her work above the family and the other spouse says, hey, I feel neglected. You're never home. What's going on? He's like, hey, I'm just I'm doing me. You know, you know, I've always been this way. Don't put that guilt trip on me. (laughs) Right. Well, what's going to happen unless that couple has a standard of universal truth that they can appeal to and go as an arbiter? Then they're going to fight like that for the rest of their life. It's gonna be a cul-de-sac that they just Ooh. keep spinning around in. It'll seasons up, seasons down, and they will never get through it because they don't, because he's doing him and she's trying to do her, or vice versa, and they have no one to appeal to. Mm. So our culture says, and on one side of its mouth, all truth is relative. So really you shouldn't feel guilty about anything. Mm. All right? Right. Men do what you want with your bodies, women do what you want with your bodies, your sexuality, there's no rules, blah, blah, blah. But then out of the other side of their mouth, our culture tries still to use guilt to control people's behavior.
3: Hmm.
0: And the examples, I I said, one, you see this so clearly in politics, but I stayed out of politics. But you also, I said, (laughs) you see it in nature documentaries. And this is the interesting interesting one. Okay? Okay. Because I was like, and I go, I bet you this one intrigues you guys because you know how politics works. Everybody (laughs) wants you to feel guilty about everything. That's how they get you to vote or whatever, control your behavior. But- Nature documentaries Basically have Scientific Scientism Worldview Naturalistic um, You know Evolutionary Understanding of the world Big Bang That whole deal So they believe Everything is here By a sheer accident There is Morality Morality is completely Relative Right We're here for a short Time And the earth's gonna be destroyed And we're all gonna be Gone Soon Okay That's Their worldview. Now, I'm watching a nature documentary with my kids. We're marveling at the wonders of God's creation. (laughs) Look at this. They're even the, look at these birds and look at this, and look at this. And then all of a sudden, inevitably, all of a sudden, they say something about human beings raping and pillaging the earth. And I watched one that called human beings parasites on this planet. parasites that will not stop breeding until all the resources
3: are gone wow <laughs> this this was made by a human or? <laughs> yeah
0: exactly <laughs> he hates his own species yeah. he hates his own species and but I but now first off <laughs> from my worldview so I So I'm sitting here, first of all, I'm sitting here with five kids in a living room and I'm like, look at what God's doing. And then all of a sudden I'm getting shamed and guilted for having five kids. I'm like, I'm one of those breeders. I'm one of those breeders that are using up the world's resources. But so for my worldview that sees creation as a gift from God and sees it fallen into sin and sin is our real problem. Mm -hmm. I see human beings sinning and destroying the creation, and I see Jesus redeeming mankind. Mm. And as he redeems mankind, guess what they want to do? They want to care for creation. Yeah. It's part of what they want to do. And I also Jesus, see Jesus promising to restore creation. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is this guy is borrowing from my worldview. Mm. So I want to say to him, hold on, you're a nihilist. You, you, you believe moral, you know, morals are relative and ethics are relative. So who are you to tell me that what we're doing to the world is wrong? Yeah.
3: Right?
0: Right. Who cares? If we're all going to burn up anyways, who cares, bro? Who cares? But the Bible shows us that every human being is built with morality inside them. Yeah. They have a sense of God and we're bent, we're broken, we're sinful, but we have a sense of God's um, power and justice, right? We have a Mm. sense in there. And so... So he 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 so you're watching this nature documentary and you're like marveling at God's creation and then all of a sudden now you feel guilty. Why does he want you to feel guilty? Because he wants you to embrace his solutions yeah. to the to the crisis whether it's buy, buying carbon off, offsets or planting trees or buying the recycled bags at the at the grocery store whatever what, or buying a Tesla, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, he's trying to Guilt you into doing something, right? Mm-hmm. So this is why I feel like our culture is so um, almost schizophrenic mm-hmm. when it comes yeah, it sure. comes to sin. Yeah, sure. We're we're told that sin is noth- Sin is not, not real, but it, but we're still being guilted mm-hmm. because we have a conscience that can still be guilted into things,
3: mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is fascinating.
3: Yeah.
0: And um, in Psalm thirty two. David says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the heat of summer. He's saying, when I refused to acknowledge my sin and use the grace that was given to me of repentance, Mm -hmm. guess what happened? My bones wasted away through groaning all the day long. Mm. He He felt like he was being unmade. Yeah. It says his strength was dried up as in the heat of summer. You know when you go and mow the grass right now when it's 70 degrees, it's easy. You can whistle while you work.
3: Right.
0: You can listen to podcasts. It's not a big deal at all. But when it's 100 degrees and 90% humidity, that's a chore.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Unrepentance or unmediated guilt saps your strength just like 100 degree temperature and just like that humidity does in the summer. Mm-hmm. It just makes everything more difficult because now you've got unmediated guilt like you're a sinner but you're refusing to acknowledge it and God's hand is upon you. Mm. And so you'll be waking you could be waking up in the middle of the night. You can be thinking about your stupid financial decisions you made, the bad relational decisions you made, all the things yeah. that you've done and you just can't get over it. Yeah. So what I did on Sunday and then one of the things that I'm trying to trying to communicate sin in a way that people today can understand it. And this uh, English, Francis Spuford, this English author, he wrote a book called Unapologetic. And in it, he says, I know sin is out of date. I know we think sin is like, oh, those chocolates are so sinful. And Mm -hmm. He's like, but here, let me explain sin to you in a way that you can understand. And this is a little um, irreverent. Okay, so if you got kids listening you could
1: buckled up bu- Buckle. and buckled
0: up <laughs> he says sin is the human propensity to f things up mm-hmm. to break things and by things i mean promises values relationships commitments
3: mm-hmm.
0: and even beautiful things mm-hmm. like if, you, if if a teenager sees a sports car right? All by itself. And there's no one around. First, there might be a temptation to try to jump in and steal the thing, Mm -hmm. but also there's a temptation, a very strange temptation Mm -hmm. just to key the thing. Mm -hmm. What is that? What is that? The nature of just to mess something up. That's sin. St. Augustine in his confessions was marveling on this fact when he had this sexual desire that was out of control and he couldn't figure, he kind of, well, I get, you know, there's a desire to procreate and a desire for a relationship and I get that. But when I'm thinking about my sinfulness, it goes deeper than that because I remember when I was a kid, I stole a bunch of pears and I wasn't hungry and I hate pears. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: I just stole them to steal them.
2: Yeah.
0: He's like, what is that? That's, hu- that's, the, that's sin. The human propensity oh to F things up or just to break things. Now, so if a person can't acknowledge they're a sinner, I would say, look over your life. What have you broken? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and that thing that you're breaking, isn't just, I mean, that that was probably another person. That was probably a commitment. That was probably an organization. That was probably a promise. But all of those things ultimately were God's, right? So if you key my car, Right? You've broken something beautiful, but you've also sinned against me, right? Mm-hmm. You've done something to me. Well, if you sin against another pe- person, that person's made in the image of God, you've done something to one of mm-hmm. God's image bearers, and so therefore you've sinned against God. So the question, and, and you're going to, if you're not a sociopath, you're going to feel guilty about that. You're going to have angst about that. Mm-hmm. And many, I think, a lot of our mental health that we're dealing with right now, a lot of it comes to do, down to unmediated guilt. Yeah. Like I feel like a sinner, but I don't have words. W- w- nothing's a sin anymore. So how can I be a sinner?
3: Right. Well, yeah. Right?
0: You you are a sinner and that sin needs to be acknowledged and placed on Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. That is a that's a that's a grace, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's what the Westminster's are trying to
2: Tell us. Here. Well, that's good too that you did, you said in, in Christ, instead of like, try to make up for it, right? Yeah. That person that stole those pears, right? Instead of, you know, then try to give them away to try to make up for you actually stealing the pears, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people do that a lot.
0: Mm. Right. Well, okay, so I, now, part of repentance, this isn't here, but part of repentance would be restoration. So, if I stole them from a farmer, yeah, I can't just confess to God. I need to go repay that farmer, those things. But, that's part of making restitution that's part of repentance. Mm-hmm. If you if you stole from someone, you have to you have to pay him back, right? Right. But you're right. I can't try There's nothing you can do. If you if you like hurt your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend and you said harsh words and you know you destroyed the relationship, there's really nothing you can do to fix that. You caused a hurt, mm-hmm. you can't un you can't bring healing there. Now you can go and confess your sin and if they're a Christian too, maybe they can offer you forgiveness and that can bring some reconciliation, but still the hurt was caused. And they might remember that for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember hurtful things I've said, you know, when I was a kid, I can't believe I did those stinking things. There's nothing we can do to go back and, and fix those things. The only hope and the, the the only grace we have is repentance. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we need as Christians and as people in this society, that's lost the language of repentance and faith and grace we need to, to bring it back. Mm-hmm. We need, we need to, to bring it back because we have got... Our neighbors are walking around feeling like a sinner with no language to diagnose mm-hmm. what's wrong
3: with them. Yeah.
0: yeah, Right? Yeah. And you can create all the mental health facilities in the world, but uh, mental health professionals can't deal with guilt. Right. Th- they can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. You need a savior for that.
1: So. <clears throat> I marvel at just the wisdom that, that's, that's here at these, these individuals so many years ago, repentance unto life. So that's the whole idea. They knew that the only way you're going to have life, the only way that you're going to be able to enjoy this life beyond eternal life is repentance. And, um, yeah, the, the wisdom that, <laughs> that we have rejected is just yeah. sad. <laughs> and obviously
0: that's true with us and God. But think about a marriage yeah. without repentance. Oh Yeah. <sighs> that's hell. Yeah. Yeah. That's hell. That's like C.S. Lewis' ideas, idea of hell is, hell is this, well, I don't know if it's his real idea, but he, he wrote about it. People just getting further and further from each other and mm. the great divorce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just, oh, that's right. right? They just yep. get further, because they can't, there's no repentance, so they're just constantly, <laughs> every time they're around a be, human being, they're offended, mm. so they just have to get further and further away from one another,
3: yeah.
0: alone and alone, more alone, more alone, more alone, more alone. That's, that's what mm-hmm. life is like without repentance.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah. So, And it's one of the reasons that the church can have such deep friendships and deep community because we still sin here, but we have the answer, the remedy for sin, which is repentance and faith.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: All right. Article two. Kevin, you want to read that one? Yeah. By it, a sinner out of the sight and sense, not only of the danger, but also of the filthiness and odiousness of his sins as contrary to the holy nature and righteous law of God and upon the apprehension of his mercy in Christ to such a penitent, so grieves and hates his sins as to turn from them all unto God, purposing and endeavoring to walk with him in all the ways of his commandments.
0: All right, that's a long paragraph. <laughs> and We know you probably could not follow along with that. So we're going to break it down uh, line by line. <clears throat> by repentance a sinner out of the sight and sense, not only of the danger. So mm. what they're drawing attention to here is no one is truly repentant or converted to Christianity merely out of fear of hell, mm. right? So fire and brimstone and the fear of hell, and the fear of judgment does not convert anyone. Now it can contribute to some... You know conversion, but <clears throat> the parent who just merely barks and threatens at their children, and their children obeys just because they don't want to get a spanking or something, that that person hasn't had a heart change, right? That right. child hasn't had a heart change, and mm-hmm. neither has um, the sinner, right? If they're only worried about going to hell, or they're only worried about the repercussions of sin. So, so what? So. Not only of the danger, but also of the filthiness and odiousness of his sins, as contrary to the holy nature and righteous law of God. Okay, so so you, we see a lot of a lot of words here. We see um, not just the fear of not, I'm just not afraid of hell, right? I'm not just afraid of danger or the dangers of my sin. Like I don't want to murder someone because I don't want to be caught. Right. Mm-hmm. And then judge. But also the filthiness and odiousness of his sins. Um, odiousness. Think hateful. Does that od- odiousness mean s- they stink? I don't know. Because when I read odiousness, I think like odor. I think, I think like, uh, you know, like. Like a sweet, like a, one would be a sweet-smelling savor going up to God, and one would stink in the nostrils of God. What is mm. odiousness?
1: Well, the definition is arousing or deserving hatred, repugnance. Okay, there's your word, repugnance. Some, some synonyms are abhorrent, abomin- abominable, um, foul. Okay. Yeah, you're, I think you're getting in the yeah. right range there. Noxious, so, noxious.
0: Yeah, filthy. So they look they've got some big words here to say disgusting. Like we should hate. Our sin, like yeah. the sin itself, should be repugnant to us. Yeah. Right? We shouldn't treat it like something cute or something, you know, innocent. Sin is a deadly viper. Sin is a, a deadly disease. Sin is the black plague. Sin yeah. is that for our soul.
2: So, what if you don't see your sin as that? and maybe someone else sees that you sinned against them that way, and for the other individuals, it's like, well, I'm blind to it, you know? Mm-hmm. I,
0: yeah. Well, God's given us a few things. One would be his, the scriptures. So when we become Christians, mm-hmm. we probably know this much of the Bible and the, and the gospel, right? And so as the Lord leads us along, we're going to learn more about the heinousness of our sin. Yeah. We're going to learn things like, Oh, I, I didn't know getting angry at my brother was, was just, was just like killing him. Jesus Mm, said, I didn't know looking at lustfully at a woman was the, was the sin of adultery. Like what? You know, like, so part of it would be maybe saying, Hey brother, look at, you know, walking with them and showing them the scriptures and teaching them that. But then the other thing is, 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 um, praying and asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, Yeah. right? Open our eyes to see it and to help us hate what we should hate. Right. In one sense, the scriptures, after we're saved, right? What they're trying to do, and this is what all education does, actually, is teaching us to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. Mm -hmm. That's the ultimate goal, Mm -hmm. to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. Mm -hmm. And we come in sometimes hating what God loves and sometimes loving what God hates. And so our desires and our thoughts and our will and our attitudes and emotions need to be reformed Mm -hmm. by, by scripture.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? And sometimes that comes by just encountering the word of God, sometimes it comes through community, sometimes it comes through repentance and faith. And by prayer and asking God, change my heart. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't love this, and but I do, and so I ask that you would change my heart to this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think if you continue on here, the phrase he says, "as contrary to the holy nature, the more we become." Knowledgeable, or knowledge not the right word. The more we experience the holiness of God, the more we begin to see our sin. So I always think about Isaiah. Here he is as a prophet, you would think, okay, if any if any individual should feel pretty good about themselves as a prophet, you know, God's chosen prophet, and when he got in the presence of God's holiness, he Woe was me? Yeah, yeah. He understood his, his ugliness.
0: I am undone. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we see it. Yeah, contrary to the holy nature, the holy nature of God, and the holy nature that God's, you know the new man that God's put in us Mm -hmm. and the righteous law of God and upon the apprehension. Okay, so here's the next. So so first off, we've seen kind of the danger of sin and maybe the judgment of God. We've seen the heinousness of our sin, the ugliness of our sin. That's meant to cause us to turn, but it's not just the negatives. It's also the apprehension of his mercy in Christ to such as are penitent Mm -hmm. or repentant. Okay, so it's not just the badness of sin that causes me to repent. It's, the, it's also the graciousness of Christ, mm. right? The mercy of Jesus. I, I, I always think about this, like there's some people that say that what Jesus did on the cross was divine child abuse they say that it was a complete over-exaggeration. Like, God killed his sinless son. That's child abuse. And the reason they say that is because to them, sin is not that big of a deal, right? But if sin is a big deal, because there is no little God to sin against, right? And so sin is, in in, uh, R.C. Sproul's term, cosmic treason. Mm -hmm. And we execute people that, commit treason, Mm -hmm. right? And so if sin is cosmic treason against the God of the universe, then we're all guilty of cosmic treason and deserving of death, right? But God sent Jesus and Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve. He was that merciful to us. So sometimes we can look at Jesus and say, oh my goodness, Jesus paid the ultimate price for this sin of mine. And that kindness, right? The kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance That kindness can encourage us to forsake that sin, right, and turn to Jesus. Upon the apprehension of his mercy in Christ, to such as are penitent, so grieves for and hates his sin as to turn from them all unto God. Purposing and endeavoring, to walk with him in all of the ways of his commandments. Now this to me brings up a good point because there are many today that believe repentance is a one-time thing. You you walk the aisle, you've, you've turned from your sins, and now you're a Christian, and then you get into what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But way before Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Westminster Divines here say that when we repentance, we're we're grieving our sin, we're hating our sin, and we're turning from all of our sins, purposing and endeavoring to walk with him in all the ways of his commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. Right? If you love me, obey my commandments. So, Why do we talk about sin a lot, and why do we talk about repentance a lot, and why do we repent and confess our sins every single week together? Because if you love him, you'll obey his commandments. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? We've broken his commandments, and we continue to break his commandments. Mm -hmm. And so the grace that God's given us to deal with that reality is the grace of repentance.
1: Mm Yeah. That's
0: good. And there's really no other way. There's no other way to grow in the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to stop acknowledging your sin and repenting of your sin, you've, you're stopping your, your spiritual growth yeah. mm-hmm.
1: Is't it remarkable how he's turned it all the way upside down so something that we think we shouldn't do we hate we oh I don't want to, I don't want to admit I'm a sinner I don't want to tell people that you know I want to I'm put up the good front and that's the worst thing for us and yet the thing what he's calling us to is no you want you want to display in one sense your sin. And confess it and repent of it. And when you do, you have you have life. And he's turned it. He's just turned it. It's just upside down. Everything yeah. just blows me away. I don't
0: want to repent. Do you want to live? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: Sure. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. It is good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah.
0: And and so when we are in that moment where we don't want to acknowledge it and we don't want to repent, we're we're resisting life. Yeah. And I
2: think too, it really make it really uh, you know makes you walk in a, a humble stature, you know, because if you know you're broken and you fall short, you need a savior. And if we don't, there's times where we walk in a, a boldness and a sinfulness that is not of Christ. So I think yep. that's good. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and as the scripture I was sharing, Psalm 32. Psalm 32 ends with, "Um, many are the, are the sorrows of the wicked." but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Mm. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Mm. So literally it begins with confessing your transgressions, confessing your sins, confessing your deceit, and then through the grace of repentance, it ends with be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, O you upright in, in heart. To come in sinners and to leave the upright in heart yeah. and righteous, this is the gift that that repentance gives us. Yeah, it's good. Right? It's yeah. such a gift. So, all right, well, that is Article 1 and 2 of Chapter 15 of Westminster Confession of Faith. If you guys have any questions on repentance or anything that we talked about, you can email um, me at Dean at sacredcitychurch.com and we will do our best to answer those questions. We love you. We are praying for you. God bless you. Talk to you soon.